Welcome to Adventism 101. In this episode, Justin Tarosian will share what the Word of God says about itself. We hope this inspires you and strengthens your trust in Scripture. So, grab your Bible and enjoy. basketball you guys okay I'm gonna need you to stick around because you're actually gonna know what I'm talking about in my first illustration then you're free to go but uh, why don't we pray together let's bow our heads father in heaven we thank you so much for your word and as we examine now some evidence for your word the Bible being inspired by an all-knowing and all-loving God we pray that you'd bless us and be with us be our teacher here today we ask in Jesus name amen 2 Timothy 3.15 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's talking about the Old Testament and the New Testament. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. 2 Peter 1.21 says, For prophecy never came by the will of man. It tells us how the Bible came to us. It says, But holy men of God spoke as they were, what? Moved by the Holy Spirit. So this is what the Bible says about itself. But question. Is what the Bible says about itself enough for us to believe that what it says is true? Yes or no? Yeah, I see a head shaking, mostly silence. You're wondering if it's a trick question. One person says no. Well, do all the holy books of the various religions of the world claim to be inspired by divinity? Yes, they do. And so there's a need for more than just what the Bible says about itself. Um, You know, I thought about asking, uh, you know, what sports you guys are more familiar with, but if I did a rugby or cricket illustration, since I'm American, I wouldn't really be able to know who the superstars are, except for the old ones that have passed away or retired, etc. So we'll stick with basketball. If I told you that I was the best basketball player in the world, that I could dunk on LeBron James, that I could outshoot Steph Curry, that I could make Michael Jordan look like a seventh grader, um, would you believe me? Why not? What would you need in order to believe that what I said was true about myself? You'd have to see me do it. That's right. You would need evidence. You would need proof. And so you would need proof outside of what I say about myself uh, in order for believing that that statement is true. And friends, it's the same with the Bible. And today we're just going to fly through five categories, really six, but I only put five up on the screen, five categories that show us... um, When we compare outside of the Bible, it's called extra-biblical evidence. Extra-biblical just means outside of the Bible itself. In these five categories, science, health, history, unity, and prophecy. So we're going to take a look at these together. We'll spend the most time on the first one, science, just because I find this one the most fascinating. This was the most mind-blowing to me when I learned it. They're all amazing. But this one was the most amazing to me. The Bible is not a science textbook, but it makes certain scientific statements. And so since the Bible claims to be true and God's word and inspired by an all-knowing God, those scientific statements would have to be true. Here are three passages we're going to look at. Isaiah 40, 22, we'll go through quickly. Job 26, verse 7, and we'll spend a bit more time in Job 38, verses 31 to 32, where God makes three statements about constellations of stars in the sky, and modern astronomy is actually proving these anciently inspired words to Job 
of being true. Modern astronomy in the last 60, 70 years. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. First off, Isaiah 40 verse 22. It says that God, it, it is he who sits above the what? The circle of the earth. Now, you may be a flat earther here today or listening by podcast, and that's all right. But the Bible says that the earth is a circle. And, um, yeah, the earth is a circle. It is a sphere, essentially. And the verse goes on. And, by the way, remember what, what the Western world believed in Christopher Columbus's day about the world? Yeah, that it was flat. That if you go too far, you'll fall off the edge of the earth. And so, if they had only read their Bibles, they would have realized wait a minute, it's a sphere. The verse goes on and says this, it is he who gets, sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Question, if all of the, let's say there was a curtain on the inside of this half of this tent here and this curtain was all bunched up here by this speaker in the front and I gave you a texter, a sharpie, a marker, and you went and you drew black dots all over that curtain, inside and out, every ridge that you could find. If I then took that curtain and started stretching it out across the tent, what would happen to those dots? They would spread out, that's right. You know why scientists say that the universe came from a big bang? Because through gauging red shift and blue shift, they're able to tell that the stars, the constellations, the, the galaxies, by and large, for the most part, are spreading out, spreading away from each other. But the Bible tells us that God did it. The Bible actually told us that before scientists measured through red shift and discovered that, it says it is God who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Amazing, isn't it? The Big Bang. It's not a big bang, but God, well, there is kind of. God spoke and bang, it happens. And he stretches out the heavens. Job 26 verse 7 tells us this. It says, he stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on what? On nothing. Okay, a lot of ancient cultures, when this was written, a lot of ancient cultures believed that the earth was suspended by a giant rope at the top. Or it was on the back of a, a giant turtle swimming through a massive celestial ocean. So why would they believe that? Well, they had never really seen something that was floating in midair, right? You have to have something supporting it or something that is supporting it from above, a rope or something. And so a lot of ancient cultures believed this and taught this, but not the Bible. One of the most ancient books, in fact, the oldest book, Job, it was written first before the first five books of the Bible, written by Moses, probably when he was in the wilderness in the 40 years in Midian, it tells us the earth is hanging over nothing, over empty space. All right, here are those amazing ones I was telling you about, about the stars. Job 38, verses 31 and 32. God challenges Job, and he starts asking him this list of rhetorical questions. And the obvious answer is, well, no. <laughs> and God asks him this about the stars. He says, can you, talking to Job, can you bind the cluster of the Pleiades? Or loose the belt of Orion? Let's take a look at the first one. Can you bind the cluster of the Pleiades? Of course Job can't. What are the Pleiades? Anyone uh, here recognize this car symbol? A Subaru. You know what the word Subaru means in Japanese? Subaru is the name of the Pleiades. The constellation of the Pleiades called the Seven Sisters by uh, other 
uh, people groups. The Pleiades is a cluster, and to the naked eye, you can see seven stars in the Pleiades. Um, but with a telescope, you can find, if it's a good enough telescope, that there are actually over 250 blazing stars in the Pleiades. It's absolutely amazing. Check out what this astronomer named Donald or Dr. Ronald J. Trumpel said. This is on the basis of over 25,000 measurements of the Pleiades. So this is not some small study, right? Like this is solid scientific fact. He says they may be compared to a swarm of birds flying what? together, flying together to a distant goal. This leaves no doubt that the Pleiades are not temporary or accidental, but a system in which the stars are bound together by a close kinship. Isn't that incredible? God asked Job, can you bind the cluster of the Pleiades? Can you hold them together? Absolutely amazing. This is thousands of years before um, modern astronomy discovered that there are 250 blazing suns, stars, that are a cluster holding together, flying through space like a swarm of bees or a uh, flock of birds. The second half of that verse, Job 38 verse 31, asks, can you loose the belt of Orion? Anyone here seen Orion before? You look up in the night sky, it looks something like this. Not something like this, it looks like this. <laughs> Uh, this is Orion. It's one of the constellations you can see here and in the northern hemisphere, so it makes me feel at home. Um, the southern cross, though, is pretty unique to the southern hemisphere. We don't get to see that in the northern hemisphere. You'll notice in the center of Orion are these three stars called the belt of Orion. And remember, God asked Job, can you loose the belt of Orion? Well, what was he talking about? What did he mean? Modern astronomy has discovered that those stars in the belt of Orion should time last, one would come over, the one I believe on the left would come over toward the one in the middle and the one on the right. So these two would drift this way and essentially the stars would drift apart from each other, judging by the way that they are moving now. In other words, it's like Orion's belt will be loosed. It will come off. How in the world, if this book was not written by an all-knowing God, would people back in Job's day have been able to know this? It's humanly impossible. It is evidence that the Bible is true, that it is inspired by an all-knowing God. Check this out. It asks, can you bring forth Maseroth? This is Job 38, 32. Can you bring forth Maseroth in his season? We still don't know what Maseroth is. Um, or can you guide Arcturus with his sons? What is Arcturus and what does he mean his sons? Well, this is Arcturus. It's known as the runaway star. Arcturus is a massive star that is hurling through space at 24,800 kilometers per minute. That's about 25,000 kilometers per minute. It's like 413 kilometers per second. It's barreling through space. And uh, it's called the runaway star. What does it mean, you know, have you, can you guide Arcturus with his sons? What are Arcturus' sons? Well, in 1971, astronomers discovered that there are 52 other smaller stars. Arcturus is so massive that these other stars are caught in its, its gravitational orbit. And so it's called the, um, the Arcturus stream. You can look it up online. And the Arcturus stream is barreling through space, but never does it collide with another star or a planet. It just flies through space. And so God asks Job, 
Can you do that? Can you guide Arcturus with his sons? Job may not have even known this. Now, the ancients weren't dupes. Like, they were intelligent with astronomy and mathematics and all these things. But we don't know if Job actually understood the depth of what we know now through modern astronomy about this. But God put it in his word so that we could study and go, wow, the Bible makes scientific statements that are true. So that's a quick look at science. We're just going to fly through some of these other uh, categories. The Bible makes certain statements about health, and we'll look at just a few of those here together. Um, the Bible's statements on health were far in advance of its time, and it actually helped to improve the quality of lives of all uh, who applied them. First of all, it says in Proverbs 23, 29 to 32, to avoid alcohol. Um, Think about how much better of a place the world would be if alcohol didn't exist or if nobody drank. What are some of the things that we would actually have that would be better than what the, way, the way the world is now? Less violent crime. Yeah, less violent crime for sure. Less domestic abuse as a part of violent crime. What else? Less car crashes, yeah. Yeah, there'd be a greater consciousness of spiritual things. Absolutely. Government leaders would make wiser decisions, less people dying in drunk driving or drink driving accidents. And so the Bible tells us avoid alcohol. It also talks about sexual purity. Um, 1 Corinthians 6, 18 to 19 says, flee, run away from sexual impurity. Your body is the temple of God. If you're going to be intimate, it must be with someone you are married to. Then in Deuteronomy 23, verses 12 and 13 Basically, in modern language, cover your poo. Um, the Israelites left Egypt. They didn't any longer have proper toilet systems. And so they were camping in the wilderness. And um, God told them how to prevent the spread of disease. And one of those ways was cover your stuff. Bury it. Don't just let it sit on the ground. And in the, the bubonic plague in Europe, the Jews applied these laws from this law from Deuteronomy. And the bubonic plague didn't affect them in the same way. And the people around were so superstitious, they said, oh, they're not getting sick. They must be cursing us. Let's kill them. So they killed off a bunch of Jews, sadly. But it worked to save their lives. They were covering their, their waste. Next, the Bible says, when you are impure, you have an impurity, wash with running water. 200 years ago, in the, in the United States, and probably this continent, yeah, I'm sure, in Australia as well, surgeons and people delivering babies were, and people working with dead people, like dead bodies, were operating, going and dipping their hands in a bucket, if that, a bucket of still water, and then going on to the next patient. And it was killing people off left and right. And then they discovered, lo and behold, if you wash your hands with running water and something that can disinfect them, then you're better off with running water than still water in that bucket. If they had only read the Bible and applied its principles, they would have been ahead of the game. So we've looked at science, we've looked at health. Let's take a look at what the Bible says about history or historically. Now, there is a field of study called archaeology that is validating the historical statements of the Bible as true. For a long time, skeptics of the Bible uh, would throw doubt and aspersions on the historical statements of the Bible. But Isaiah 45 verse 19 says, I, the Lord, speak righteousness... I declare things that are right. So God says, I don't say things that are wrong. I say things that are right. And that includes historical statements. Um, did you know that the Hittite nation, the Hittite nation was doubted as existing because 
for ages, the Bible was the only place in archaeology or historical records that spoke of a people group called the Hittites. The only place. Nineveh as well, that's talked about in Jonah chapter 1. Sodom that's mentioned, a city in Genesis 19 verse 1. All of these places um, and pe this people group were, were points that skeptics said, ah, the Bible's just made up. Because these places have, and these people group, they have no record of them anywhere outside of the Bible. But lo and behold, archaeology discovered evidence for all of them. Moving on from that, even people. Did you know that King David, for centuries, the only record, historical record of King David outside of the Bible was, well, was the only record of King David was the Bible. The Old Testament and the New Testament. So some people said, ah, he didn't really exist. Um, ignore that verse. It's not Jonah 1, 1 and 2 for King David. It's all throughout Scripture. Um, he wrote half the Psalms, even more than that. King Belshazzar from Daniel chapter 5, verse 1. Same thing. All 39 kings of Israel and Judah were doubted. Skeptics said, ah, there's no record of them outside the Bible. The Bible's making it up. But lo and behold, again, the spade revealed uh, the shovel, the archaeologist's shovel revealed that they are true. They found evidence for all of them outside of the Bible. So we've looked at science, health, the historical statements of the Bible that have been validated as true. Now we're going to look at the Bible's amazing unity, just quickly. Now, who's the, who authored the Bible? It's kind of a trick question. Who wrote the Bible? All right, we can start naming some people, right? Luke wrote Luke and Acts. Paul wrote a number of the epistles, Philippians, Ephesians, Romans, Hebrews, etc. Um, but God was the author. The reason that we can know this, one of the reasons, is its amazing unity. The Bible was written, authored by God, written by men. It was written by about 40 different people on three different continents, in three different languages, over a time period of, a, of 1,500 years. That's 1,500 years. And they wrote on some of the most controversial topics in existence, religion, politics, and other things. Very, they had varying educations and jobs, and most of the writers actually never met each other. Now, just stop and think about that for a minute. Three different continents, 40 different people, from shepherds to doctors uh, to a king, the cupbearers to kings, different continents, different people groups, different jobs, and they wrote on controversial topics but did not disagree. This is humanly impossible. This is clear evidence that the Bible is inspired by an all-knowing God. So we've looked at the Bible's scientific statements, its health statements, its statement of history. We've seen its unity. And we'll just close with a quick mention of prophecy, send you to some resources. Prophecy is the heartbeat of, of the Bible, of Scripture. And of the evidence that the Bible is the word of God. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. God says, remember the former things of old. What do we call that as a subject in school? History. That's right. God says, remember history. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done. So God says this. And he's basically saying, I'm going to tell you the future in advance. And then after it happens, look back at history and compare side by side history with prophecy and what I told you, predictive prophecy, what I said would happen. And you will see without a doubt that 
I am God and that the Bible is my holy word. A few things as we wrap up, a few things that, um, that you can check out with predictive prophecy, incredibly powerful and some great resources. Um, the rise and fall of nations, Daniel 2, Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 8, there are many more. Um, check out the documentary if you haven't seen it yet. It's had millions of views this year alone. It's called Kingdom Come, The History of Tomorrow. Part 2 and 3 are going to be coming out hopefully by the end of this year or early next year. But check that out on YouTube, Kingdom Come, The History of Tomorrow. Then if you want to know more about the Messianic prophecies, the Old Testament prophecies of what and who the Messiah would be, there are over 125 of them. Sharissa did a powerful message uh, that you can find on our website, theend.digital. You have a QR code on your table. You can also look it up on YouTube. She did a message in the Christmas series called He is the One. Lyle did message number two. That was also on the forbidden prophecies, well, forbidden by uh, the Jewish leadership uh, throughout the years. Daniel chapter 9, prophecies of the Messiah. Check those out. You will be tremendously blessed. And it's incredible that God doesn't just say, hey, trust me, the Bible's my word. He actually says, I'm going to give you intellectual evidence, something that is intellectually satisfying, proof that the Bible is my word, that you can trust it, that it is indeed true. And so the last thing I just want to mention, another evidence of Scripture besides the Bible prophecy, which is the heartbeat of proof that the Bible is the word of God, is that, and many of you here today no doubt have experienced this. I know that I have in my life, and that is the reality of 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, um, it says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Behold, all things have become new. The word of God, the Bible has the power to transform our lives, to take our rags, our filthy rags away, and to clothe us with the righteousness of Jesus. This is what it has the power to do, and many of you here can testify to the difference that the Word of God has made in your life. And that is something, you know, people can argue history and prophecy and archaeology and health and science. They can try arguing those things. But when you say, listen, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was a drunkard. I was an addict, and God has broken me free. I was miserable and broken and depressed, and now I have the joy of the Lord in my life. That is something that nobody can argue. Thank you for listening to Adventism 101. If you like this talk, make sure you tell your friends. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you're listening right now. This conversation was brought to you from the North New South Wales Evangelism Team and recorded during Big Camp 2022.